Hello and welcome to Ask the Oracle, the official Iron Sworn RPG podcast. Uh, that's a really long title. I didn't anticipate actually having to say that. Out loud. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Uh, so that aside, this is episode one of a semi-regular podcast dedicated to the Iron Sworn tabletop role-playing game. My name is Sean, and I'm the creator of Iron Sworn. My qualifications to talk about Iron Sworn, I'd say, pretty good, reasonably, reasonably <laughs> good, anyway. Uh, skills or qualifications as a podcast host are probably TBD at the moment. Uh, I'm joined today and for the next few episodes by Matt Click. Matt is an amazing RPG creator and writer. He's also my son, so it was relatively easy to guilt him into doing this gig. Hey, Matt. Hey. Maybe give the listeners a bit of an intro on what you do and where folks can find your stuff. Yeah, sure. So um, I mostly uh, work with Absolute Tabletop. We're like a small indie RPG outfit. Um, We publish lots of different books, mostly like uh, adventure material and world building tools. Um, You can find stuff that I've written with them over at absolutetabletop.com. And I also do a lot of work with uh, different publishers, which is The Coast, Green Ronin, Chaosium. um, And you can check out some of my other work at mattclick.com. And I've also uh, just opened up a Patreon for some fun little RPG content um, at patreon.com slash mattclick. That's awesome. Thank you. And not a biased opinion at all, the Matt's <laughs> stuff and, and absolute tabletop. One of the great things about that crew and the stuff they create is that uh, even though it's a D&D 5e centric, um, even if you play other systems, their stuff is very low prep, very modular, very toolkit. Uh, I think all which uh, plays pretty well into some of the like Iron Sworn fans' preferences in terms of RPGs. It's amazing stuff. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah, lots of like tables and inspirational tools and uh, things that you can use on the fly for improv and stuff. So very much like in the same sort of vein as Iron Sworn. For sure. So since this is a new podcast, I just wanted to offer a bit of the uh, whys and wherefores of this thing. Uh, first of all, uh, Iron Sworn is a tabletop role-playing game. It's free and available for download at ironsworenrpg.com. I'll uh, hold off for now talking about mechanics and tone and setting and that sort of stuff because we'll do that in the context of this podcast as we dive in and actually set up a campaign and play the game. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen other small press RPG authors doing dedicated podcasts for their games. Matt, do you know of anybody doing that not off the top of my head i know that um like adam Koble does a lot of like dungeon world type stuff yeah. but i don't think that there's like like dedicated podcasts for like small rpgs so probably because it's like hugely self-indulgent right it might be the reason yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i think the hope when you publish an rpg is that other people will play it and uh, like you want to see other people playing it but yeah. uh i think it's a it's a really good idea like the thing is i would i would listen to any sort of podcast with the person who wrote the game, running the game or playing the game, because that's like the easy, I feel like that's the easiest way to learn the game and see how sort of like the intent behind the game design and how it's sort of intended to be used and and played and stuff. So I think this is a really good idea. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair encapsulation of what I'm going for here. You know, you know, when you uh, RPG books that have like sidebars for designer commentary. Yeah. Like the little breakout boxes. and stuff. Yeah. Where they like talk about here's, the reasoning behind this particular mechanic or here's what inspired. Like, I love that stuff. Like that's to me is like director's commentary for movies, which I also love. Yeah. It's it's behind the curtain. So uh, that's one of the purposes here is just because as a game designer, I'm interested in sort of seeing behind that curtain, seeing, seeing 
why designers did the things they did or how they intend for things to work or what the sort of intended experience is. Mm -hmm. Um, That's always interesting to me. Yeah. And secondly, uh, one of the most frequently asked questions about Ironsworn that I get from people new to the game is where do they find an actual play, video, or podcast? Um, Maybe that speaks to the fact that the text is left wanting sometimes in terms of explaining the game. I don't know, but it's the same thing I look for when I'm learning a new game. Um, And there are a few great videos and podcasts out there with people playing Ironsworn, particularly um, some solo sessions. But I think it's worthwhile to toss my hat in the ring. Plus, I get to actually play the game, which is kind of a rarity for me these days. I'm always working right. on stuff, but not necessarily getting to play it. So it's fun to be able to do that. Yeah. So the first few episodes of this podcast, we're going to do exactly that. We'll walk through setting up a campaign um, and we'll play. And one of Ironsworn's defining characteristics is that could be played in three modes. There's the guided mode, what I call the guided mode, which is the traditional format you'd expect for a tabletop role-playing game. You sit down with your friends and a game master. The game master helps facilitate the story. They interpret the outcome of your actions. They bring the world and characters to life. Ironsworn also offers co-op mode, which is two or more players and, and no GM. So together, you just use the game system and your creativity to explore the world and determine what happens next without having to rely on a, on a GM to answer those questions. And finally, there's solo mode, which is just single player without a game master. It functions the same as co-op. It's just you're, it's, uh, it's you against the world. Yep. And for the purposes of uh, our actual play here, Matt and I will be using the co-op mode, new GM required, um, just the two of us. Wish us luck. Um, and then beyond this initial series of episodes to the actual play, um, see how it goes, but I hope to have some episodes de- dedicated to some aspects of the game, tips and tricks, maybe previews of some of the stuff that's coming, uh, maybe interviews with folks who are using Ironsworn Engine for their own creations or Ironsworn adjacent RPGs, such as other solo and GMless games. Maybe baking tips if I run out of topics. I don't know. <laughs> What's the Venn diagram yeah. of like baked goods fans and Ironsworn fans? I think there's some overlap there. There, there. I think there's probably more overlap than you're anticipating. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so that's enough of a preamble. That's enough of me uh, blabbing. So let's dive in. Awesome. What we want to do is sort of walk through the campaign setup methodology. Luckily, I wrote a few hundred pages on doing this uh, in the Ironsworn manual. So we're going to sort of use that as a reference. You could follow along on your own um, and sort of watch us play. Um, and when you're we're starting a new campaign in Ironsworn, there's crucial decision of where you start. And there's two places you could start. You either think about your characters, start with the characters, treat them like actors and then sort of build the stage of the world around them to sort of fit their goals and characteristics and sort of mm-hmm. what comes out of that exercise of building characters in terms of how you define the world. Or you start with the world. So you start with the set, the stage, the props, and then create characters that sort of fit into what you're envisioning. And I think in our case, we discussed this a little bit. We're going we're gonna to start with the world. And I actually got feedback from, even though the manual sort of leans into a process flow where it's like, make your character and then make the world, you know, by virtue of the sort of implicit ordering of the chapters in the manual and some of the summary guides in the manual. I've actually got feedback from players that that they find it a little bit easier to think about the characters in the context of the world. So yeah, um, based on that, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, I'm really into that idea. Cool. Um, so just a brief, super brief uh, sort of introduction to like the default setting of the uh, Ironsworn game. Um, 
there's a fair bit of detail in the manual, but I've left it relatively sort of sketchy and allowing the players to sort of fill in the blanks. Um, the game also encourages you to just invent your own world and play there or play in other settings and genres. It's fairly um, flexible in that regard, but we're going to be playing in the default mm-hmm. setting of the Ironlands, which is a dark fantasy setting assumed to be sort of a frontier at the edge of the world where the people who live there have settled there after some sort of global cataclysm that has sent them to this new inhospitable rugged dangerous land and it's been a couple couple generations of past and everybody's just trying to survive and get by so chapter four of the Iron Sworn rulebook, if you're following along at home, is where we talk about the settings. We lay out the broad strokes of the setting with plenty of blanks for you uh, as the player to fill in. And uh, one of the big aspects of that is the what's called the Your Truth section, which is basically a guided exercise to define the basic parameters of what's commonly understood for your version of the Ironlands. So you'll define some of the, the basic nature of the setting. Um, There's also quest prompts potentially that could power your initial story or give you some interesting narrative hooks for the setting. This exercise is also available as a downloadable print-and-play PDF from the Ironshorn website at ironshornrpg.com. And the central conceit of the game is that in this world there are Ironshorn. These are people who commit to their vows, commit to their promises by literally swearing on iron. So they'll lay a hand on their sword or touch their armor or hold the token that was passed to them by their mother and they will swear to set things right to see that vow through uh, whatever the cost so that's the narrative conceit for the game that you are a character who has sworn a vow and that is the sort of the mechanical construct of the game that drives gameplay you swear a vow you undertake a quest to complete that vow you either forsake or fulfill that vow If you fulfill that vow, you earn experience, which improves your character. And as you adventure, you undoubtedly run across situations that complicate that vow or that introduce new vows that you must swear. Uh, So there's this constant sort of gameplay and narrative loop of undertaking these quests. And I think that's part of what makes Ironsworn uh, GMless work, solo mode and co-op, is that there's this driving narrative factor that it's not a matter of being feeling aimless or what do I do? There's a rhythm of actions you take in the game and narrative results that either improve your situation towards your quest or complicate your situation that are constantly driving and moving the narrative forward. So as we think about our characters here, we also want to think about what can potentially drive these people. What is important to them? What are their motivations? Where are their bonds? What is uh, grist for the mill in terms of our narrative for these people to undertake quests. So Matt, uh, why don't you start, if, you can, uh, if you've got the world workbook handy. Yeah. I figured we'd just go through and quickly sort of read through the options and we could talk it through together and, and pick one, mark it down, go from there. Sounds good. Yeah, so um, in, the, in the world workbook, the Truths workbook, basically there are like the the main like pillars of the iron lands, the different things that you get to decide. Um, and each thing has uh, three preset options. And then if you want, you can, you can also write your own. Um, so the first thing is the old world where we sort of decide, like you were mentioning, you know, there's some sort of cataclysm or, or event that caused the Ironlanders to sort of flee and settle this place. And so we're going to decide first uh, why that happened. So uh, the options that we have here, 
the first one is uh, the Savage Clans called the Skulled invaded the kingdoms of the old world. So that's basically we were invaded and had to flee as a result. The second option is there was a sickness, a plague that uh, caused us to have to flee. And then the uh, the third option is uh, basically that we uh, we mined all the all the metal and cut down all the trees and ate all the food. Basically, we didn't have any more resources left. And so, uh, you know, the, our homeland could no longer sustain us. And so we had to leave and settle new lands uh, and eventually found the Iron Lands. So those are the three preset options for the the old world. Um, personally, I really like that first one. The scold. Yeah, I think that's cool. And I feel like that kind of. I don't know why, but I, I I love the idea of like the skull like showing up in the Ironlands, having that be something that maybe comes back. Yeah, they're a nice. I, I think both the first two options have a little bit of like potential complications or dangers on the mm-hmm. horizon, right? Like the sickness could return. Yep. Or these, the you know the 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 skull could, uh, you know, leave the old world and come here looking for new conquest. Um, yep. Where the third option is a little bit more static. So yeah, I like that a lot. Is there any is there any sort of twist you want to apply to that sort of background or anything like that in terms of like the application to our world? Um, let's see. I do. You have a quest starter here that's interesting. Uh, each each uh, item in the Truths Workbook also has like a, a character connection to it called a quest starter, mm-hmm. where you can kind of work it into your character. And it says here, like, you are a descendant of the Skull because of your heritage. Your family has long borne the distrust of your fellow Ironlanders. Um, I really like that. Like, that's cool. Like, uh, thinking about, you know, are there Skulled in the Ironlands? Are there descendants of the Skull? Like, uh, how would that sort of play with uh, with our version of the Ironlands? So maybe we can kind of tinker with that a little bit. Yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe the Skull had, like, different sort of warring factions. And one particular, like, war band or war leader, like, was the one who was sort of leading sort of combined a bunch of tribes or clans and and um you know rolled across the old world but maybe there's other school tribes and clans that weren't a lot allied with them but now still sort of bear that legacy right yeah yeah um, for sure and the resentment of all the people who had to leave so that's cool maybe one of our characters can yeah be like descended from the skull yeah that would be neat i like that idea cool uh, so option number two is simply called uh, labeled iron. It's just a way to sort of set the theme of, of what is iron as, as a thematic element um, and a literal element sort of mean, mean in this world. Mm-hmm. The first one is the basically talks about uh, mine as a resource uh, that there's the, the land is rich in iron ore, thereby implying that there's a fair bit of like industry and trading around uh, iron. And mm-hmm. most prized of all is the Starforged black iron. So, Sort of an implication there that there's something of rarity and value that people would be after. Yeah. Second option just talks about the, you know, I think it's somewhat of a default option anywhere you go, but it just talks about the fact that they, that this land is named the Iron Lands just due to how imposing and, and inhospitable it is. So yeah. it's, you know, the winters are feet of snow. Even the summer is bleak with rain and gray skies. Uh, it's cold. It's miserable. Uh, it's hard to farm, etc. So yeah. Ironland sort of implies that this place is is just as rough and hard as iron. Yeah. And the third option uh, talks about inscrutable metal pillars. So there's these metal pillars that nobody really understands. They've been there. They're ancient. They're unmarked. Um, iron gray and smooth as river stone. Um, and they're a little bit of just a hanging mystery in the setting. Yeah. 
I love that one. That yeah. <laughs> that's like right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of like a mythos sort of feel potentially. Yeah. It um, kind of it kind of plays into my like uh, my love of sort of Lovecraftian things that just sort of like these weird stones just standing there sort of foreboding on the on the landscape okay cool maybe we can even introduce one of those just as part of our starting sort of like if we started with a settlement or something like that yeah like Um, maybe there's a settlement built around one of these things or something yeah and the text mentioned iron priests which i sort of like the sound of like people sort of actively worship these things and maybe gain insight from them or something and maybe swear vows upon them etc so yeah okay yeah, love that. Uh, you want to take the next one, legacies? Yeah, so um, this kind of plays into like maybe you know what what else was in the Ironlands, uh, you know what other things lived in the Ironlands before we got here. So the first option is we are the first humans to walk these lands. So basically, we're the first settlers to find the Ironlands. Second option is uh, other humans sailed here from the old world, um, but all that left of them is savage, feral people we call the broken. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And then the third one is before the Ironlanders, before even the firstborn, another people lived here. Their ancient ruins are found throughout the Ironlands. Um, that's I, I do like that third one, but it might be a little too similar to having the pillars. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it it would take away from like the mystery of the pillars if there was also like ruins, because we'd just be like, oh well. Yeah, somebody those dudes built them. The people who well, you know whoever lived in these ruins made these pillars. So, uh, so maybe we pick a different one for this one. Okay. Uh, are you leaning in any particular direction? Um, the first one's kind of a null result, right? Like yeah. It's, it's, the the place is, you know, untracked and wild, but there's not any sort of like legacies of a long ago people here. Uh-huh. Yeah. The second one, I like the, the idea of the broken, just because it sort of speaks to what we could potentially become in this place, just because totally. of the hazards and perils and potentially like latent magic and mysteries and and stuff like that or yeah and maybe the maybe the pillars like drove them insane or something like they you know tried to unlock the mysteries of the pillars and it's sort of like uh reavers from firefly where they just kind of went went mad sort of in the at the edge of the frontier or whatever now you're talking (laughs) that's the stuff yeah i like that a lot i like that too because maybe maybe like um you know the people who first settled here uh like we have records of them like leaving and settling the Ironlands. And so when the skull sort of invaded, we were sort of like, well, hey, maybe we'll go to the Ironlands. Like we know that there's people there because they left, you know, a century ago right. or whatever. And then we get there and it's like, oh, no, they're all messed up. <laughs> <It> sucks. <laughs> what have we done? Yeah. We've made a horrible mistake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that a lot. I like the idea of like there's some connection between them and the pillars. Maybe we uh, with our sort of world building hats on have a better sense in that of that than our characters do within the world yeah yeah for sure great uh so next up is communities where we sort of talk about the uh prevalence and nature of uh the communities in this place first option basically there's a small number of small settlements in this place that are sort of widely scattered um they're generally isolated and suspicious of each other, uh, et cetera. So not a whole lot of um, collaboration between individual mm-hmm. communities. Uh, the second one is we live in communities called circles. So circles are basically uh, applying a little bit of a you know government structure to these places where you could have individual communities as well as collection, collections of communities that um, uh, work together and are under a common leadership mm-hmm. 
the third option is sort of an implication that we've managed to do okay in these places that right. we have um, villages that are you know connected by roads. Um, that there's trade caravans traveling around. Maybe even there's some things, you know, now bordering on cities, even in, you know, in right. particular places like along waterways and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but even so, with that third option, even so, you know, beyond these places, there's still a lot of untamed, wild, untracked um, territories. Yeah. Uh, any preference there? I like the the second option and the third option I think are are most appealing to me. So either the circles where we have like we can kind of play with like the intrigue of the the circles sort of feuding or making alliances mm-hmm. and stuff like that or the the third one kind of gives me like a like hyperborea sort of like iron age like cities and stuff which would be kind of neat. Yeah, sort of on the cusp of something potentially, yeah. but maybe the world's pushing back a little bit. Maybe this is a particular time of like feuding between communities and stuff like that. Totally. So I'm good with either option. I would lean a little bit toward the second, just as sort of the middle of the road yeah. solution because it sort of creates an implication that it's the, you know, even a few steps beyond the wall of your village, you're heading into danger versus yeah. sort of wa- walking along well-trod paths and things like that. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm leaning a little a bit more towards that second option for sure. You want to take the next one? Yeah. Uh, so this next one's called leaders and this is kind of like the like government or who's leading the different communities and stuff like that. So the first option is uh, leadership is as varied as the people. Some communities are governed by the head of a power family, powerful family, or they have a council of elders who make decisions and settle disputes. Basically like, uh, you know, it, it varies by settlement to settlement who's in charge. Um, Second one is each of our communities has its own leader called an overseer. Every seventh spring, the people affirm their current overseer or choose a new one. Um, And then the third one is numerous clan chiefs uh, rule over petty domains. Most are intent on becoming the one true king. Their squabbles will be our undoing. Um, The second one, I think, kind of jives with what we picked in the last one the best, I think. Yeah, it kind of fits. Although, you know, I kind of like the idea of like sort of the old feuds and and tendencies sort of resurfacing a little bit more actively so this idea of like clan chiefs of you know all sort of vying for control yeah i do like that albeit sort of scattered you know not particularly prosperous settlements but everybody just fighting over scraps you know yeah so i kind of like the idea of making that a little bit more active that might be sort of a story driver for us yeah for sure not just raiders necessarily as the bad guys right like yeah but more other settlements opposing clan chiefs yeah 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 i like that Next up is defense, where we sort of understand like what is sort of the state of warfare and and uh, defenses in this place. Uh, first option uh, here in the Ireland, supplies are too precious and the lands are too sparsely populated to support organized fighting forces. So it's just basically the the farmers and you know people, the communities picking up whatever weapons they have at hand to defend themselves when they need to. Uh, second option it talks about the wardens who are sort of appointed as soldiers, guards, militias. They protect tra- trade caravans. They man the walls of a village. Mm-hmm. So they're a bit, a bit of a sort of more active militia. Yeah. Um, and then the third one, uh, things have evolved to where we have war bands who are uh, banner-bearing bands that march out against opposing clans, opposing settlements, defend against raiders, defend against you know the natural threats of this place, et cetera. And I think for this one, I'm leaning toward number three, just because I think yeah, it maybe jives too. with our previous number three. Yep. I like the um, idea that there could potentially even be like battles happening sort of across the Ironlands. Yeah. I like that a lot too. 
Uh, and I actually like the quest starter for this one, a quest starter for the warbands. A warband was wiped out in a battle against an overwhelming enemy. What is your connection to this band? Who defeated them? Will you carry their banner on a quest for vengeance or do you vow to see it brought home uh, to a place of honor? And I'm, I'm sort of like, a, I'm, I wonder if we might want to pursue like a couple of displaced like soldiers or something. Maybe we're now bannerless. or Yeah, that would be kind of neat. Maybe we're trying to reform or reconnect with a war band or something. Yeah, like, like we got separated or we're like the only survivors or something like that. Yeah, that'd yeah. be neat. Uh, and that gives us something instantly to sort of play off in terms yeah. of a vow potentially. So let's make a note of that. Making a note of that right here. I tend to lean into playing like the grizzled old soldier for yeah, some reason. Totally. I don't know Me why because I'm, like, I'm a grizzled old man now, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of my go-to. So yeah. maybe I should resist the go-to, but it always appeals to me. Yeah, for sure. Right. You want to walk us through the next one? Yeah, next one's mysticism. So talking about magic and how prevalent it is in the Ironlands. Uh, the first option is some still find comfort comfort in the old ways. They call on mystics to divine the fortune of their newborn or ask them to perform rituals to invoke a bountiful harvest. So that's kind of like, uh, you know, there's not really uh, like magic, but people sort of go visit shamans and believe in the old ways or whatever. Second one mm -hmm. is uh, magic is rare and dangerous, but those few who wield the power are truly gifted. And then the third one is magic courses through this land as the rivers flow through the hills. The power is there for those who choose to harness it. And even the common folk often know a helpful ritual or two. I think uh, with kind of us talking about like the war bands and stuff, I think a little grittier kind of low magic would probably suit the tone. So maybe one or two. Yeah, I'd lean maybe two just to give us a little bit of flexibility for yeah. a potential sort of having some rituals of our own um, for our characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I do like playing magic wielding characters, so it might be cool to be one of the few people in the land who's able to wield some sort of magic. Uh, also, be cool that you know the idea of war bands. Potentially, the people who practice rituals are rare enough but valuable enough that they have positions within these war bands. Totally. Right? Yep. Yeah. Well, and then uh, the the chiefs, the clan chiefs that we were talking about earlier would probably try and find other magic users and try to get them to like join their clan and fight for them and promise them, you know, riches and things like that. So yeah, they'd, they'd be kind of commodity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Love it. All right. Next up is religion. First option, a few Ironlanders still make signs or mumble prayers out of, out of habit or tradition, but most believe the gods long ago abandoned us. So that's basically the gods are dead uh, option. Mm -hmm. like some people do it out of habit, but the gods have no influence in this world. Organized religion is not really a thing, etc. Totally. Second option, the people honor old gods and new. In this harsh land, a prayer is a simple but powerful comfort. So that's a fairly expected sort of middle-of-the-road option where people lean on religion as a comfort. Uh, and there's you know probably some aspect of organized religion and multiple gods, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one, our gods are many. They make themselves known through manifestations and miracles. Some say they even secretly walk among us. So the gods are a manifest force within the world. Right. Um, uh, and people probably disbelieve them at their peril. So Yeah. Uh, the third option would lead us into war bands that are maybe, and maybe even clan chiefs that were everything sort of heavily themed around worship and deities. Um, right. Which might be, it's cool. It's own sort of cool thing, right? Totally. Second option is sort of like, I think I think a defar default for a setting like this, like for a, sure. a gritty fantasy setting. Yeah, yeah. I kind of am leaning towards the second one, but with the idea because we had we were talking about the Iron Priests earlier, like around mm -hmm. the Iron Pillars, that maybe they're kind of like a rising sort of like 
not cult necessarily, but sort of a, a, a larger sort of religion that is sort of rising up, maybe gaining prominence and becoming more sort of prominent in the, in the Iron Lands. Yeah, I like that idea. Maybe there's something to these pillars where they've sort of recently like activated or something yeah, like that. So yeah. all of a sudden what used to be like a bunch of crazy, you know, iron priests, now all of a sudden they have sort of influence in the world and and yeah. people are turning to them. I like that. And we'll have to figure out sort of how that manifests, like what that means, but that's totally. a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, so firstborn, this is talking about like the, the ancient peoples of the Ironlands, the, the elves, the giants, that sort of thing. The firstborn, the first option is the firstborn have passed into legend. Some say the remnants of the old tribes still dwell in deep forests or high mountains. Most believe they were never anything more than a myth. Second option is the firstborn live in isolation and are fiercely protective of their own lands. And the third one is the firstborn hold sway in the Ironlands. The elves of the deep forests and the giants of the hills tolerate us and even trade with us. For now, Ironlanders fear the day they decide we are no longer welcome here. I'm thinking kind of with what we have going with the warring clans and kind of the burgeoning magic and the Iron Priests gaining uh, sway that maybe the Firstborn are sort of more of like a background element to our Ironlands, maybe not a prominent thing yet. So I think I think the, the second option where we, we don't really have a lot of... Um interaction but there's some potential for bringing them into the story perhaps yeah i like that because then it's it's like if you know even if they're there the the iron land clans are so preoccupied with each other that they you know don't have time for the for the first so i like the idea of them as a little bit of sort of a mysterious sort of background element that are um sort of mutually avoiding each other for now but totally have an impact on our story yeah all right, and uh, next to last, we've got beasts. So, what are the what are the nature of beasts in this place? Beasts, the sort of the term in in Iron Sworn means unnatural creatures, right? Right. There's obviously, animals in this place and stuff like that. But beasts are uh, more mythical, um, uh, mysterious creatures. Uh, first option: the beasts of old are nothing but legend. Uh, basically, they don't exist here that, that we know of. Um, Although people tell stories of them and perhaps remember a time before, you know, records in the old world when beasts were wormed to exist. Yeah. Second one, monstrous beasts stalk the wild areas of the Iron Land. So they're at the edges of, of civilization, you know, within deep woods, within deep waterways, etc. These things uh, live. Mm-hmm. And the third option, beasts of all sort roam the Iron Lands. Uh, they still dwell primarily in sort of the outer reaches, but... They even will range into settled areas to to hunt. So they're dangerous. They'll prey on cattle. They'll attack trade caravans. So there's sort of a constant visible threat in this world. Yeah. I like, I just love like any sort of like big monster. So I I would go probably two or three. Do you want to lean into it a bit? Go three since we've been a little bit um, leaning back on a couple of the other elements of this place. Because then I'm kind of thinking like maybe... I don't know. I like the battles and stuff that we've been talking about, like the clans fighting each other. Like maybe certain clans have like. What if we have? What if we bring beasts into the fray? Yeah, like mammoths and. Yeah. Yep. Like maybe they like breed beasts or like domesticate them or ride them or you know just like cool stuff like that. I'm trained trained wyverns and mammoths and yeah yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm super into that kind of stuff. So. I'm uh, buying what you're selling right now. That's great. 
Also, I you did just uh, tease that mammoth asset, and I really, <laughs> I really want that. So <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, a new uh, volume of assets coming. Assets are sort of iron sworn, sort of character feats or abilities, and they're sort of presented on a card, and you basically sort of ad hoc pick three assets when you create a character. So uh, they're fun to create because I can sort of just publish like a volume of assets that sort of you know can be added to the overall sort of options. One of those I, I'm working on presently is a mammoth animal companion, which is its own kind of fun for sure. Yeah. Uh, we'd have to figure out why why a couple of like wayward soldiers have a mammoth, but it could just be like what's left from, like it's just a beast of burden, right, from our war band. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking is like, yeah, maybe, you know, we're the only survivors of the war band, you, me, and a mammoth. Like, you know, <laughs> we, we basically like find, find a mammoth that is, you know, survived the battle and we're like, hey, come with us. That sort of thing. Yeah. He's like super scarred too. And like, yeah. 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 I'm into that. All right. Last option. You want to take that one? Yeah. Last one is horrors, which is like uh, weird, scary monsters that sort of stalk the night. Uh, the first option is uh, horrors are nothing but stories to frighten children. Second option is we are wary of the dark forests and deep waterways for monsters lurk in those places. The third one is the dead do not rest in the Ironlands. At night, we light torches, scatter salt, and post sentries at the gate. It is not enough. They are coming. I think with this one, since we have the beasts being so prevalent, maybe mm-hmm. we t- we scale back the horrors potentially. Yeah, I think I think middle of the road option is, is a good one yeah. here. You know, all these options sort of like have light, medium, heavy sort of choices. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think medium is the way to go where it's, it's yeah, for you sure. know, a potential sort of threat or challenge for us or danger when we're out and about. But, you know, we're not uh, defending every settlement from a skeleton attack. Yeah. Not yet anyways. Well, yeah. Not that we know. Who knows what's going to happen when these pillars activate. Ooh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I just got ideas. Yep. All right, so there you go. That's sort of the world-building exercise. There's basically like a printable workbook you can download at ironsworn.rpg.com, and you just do the same thing we did, where you just sort of go through these options, you riff on them. Um, Matt mentioned it at the beginning, but of course, another sort of uh, option here is just to ignore all these suggestions and, and go with your own or put a twist on it or whatever. We did a little bit of that, but mostly sort of went a little bit by the book. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. Like, I... All, yeah. all of a sudden, we've got sort of like a little bit of framing for our potential characters, right? We know that they have to yep. potentially be veterans or at least like camp followers or a mystic that was tied to a war band or something like that. There's something having to do with this war band that, that you know, maybe we're the only ones left, like some dire battle or maybe some strange threat outside of these, you know, uh, clan chiefs that... that brought it down so yeah um, how does that play into an initial quest for us um i think it's going to be cool to figure out and we're going to figure out that out next episode next episode we'll go through uh character building and we'll probably i think um uh spend a few minutes actually spinning up an initial quest and actually make some explore some initial story there so um, yeah that'll be fun join us next time Uh, for this time, Matt, do you want to remind us where folks can find you and your work on the internet? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you want to check out some of the stuff I publish, you can go to absolutetabletop.com. Um, I also, uh, have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Matt click. And I also forgot to mention at the beginning, I have a YouTube channel where I run games, uh, and I also run games that I designed 
uh, and it's uh, a fistful of dice on YouTube. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on this little adventure. Anytime. And I'm Sean Tompkin. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Tompkin. That is S-H-A-W-N-T-O-M-K-I-N. For more information on the Iron Soren RPG, free downloads, community resources, and links to print copies you can purchase to support the game, please visit ironsornrpg.com. If you want to join the Iron Soren community, we have a fairly active community hubs on Discord, Reddit, Facebook, among other places. You'll find links to all those at ironsornrpg.com slash resources. And until next time, thank you, Matt. Thank you. And may all your vows be fulfilled. Thank you for listening. Ooh, may all your vows be fulfilled. That's a good sign-off. I'm going to leave you saying that in there because I need the validation. (laughs) Awesome.